Today's daf is daf Ayin Hey. We are holding the last line of Ayin Dalid Amad Days. So um, we uh, we're in the middle of a sugya yesterday where the Gemara uh, asked the contradiction between two brises, and the contradiction was as follows: is that we had, we're talking about a woman that the husband had made a stipulation, made a ned, uh, a, uh, a stipulation in the, in the marriage that A, either case number one, she cannot have nadarim on her, or two is that she cannot have any blemishes, she can't have mumim, right? So, Bryson number one said that if after the Kedushin, she actually had had nadarim on her, or it had blemishes on her, so if there are Nadorim of the type that she could go to the Beistin, go to the Chotham, and it could be Macha the Nedr, so then no harm, no foul. But if there are Mumim, even if these are Mumim that can go to the doctor, and go to the plastic surgeon, and he can correct them, it would still be Enema Kodeshis. And the simplest understanding was, because the way a Nedr works, is that when you go to a Chochem, it's ochre, the neder, lemafreya, it's as if it never existed to begin with, which means it not violate the stipulation of the Kedushin, because it really wasn't there to begin with. Whereas, Mumim, it only takes care of the problem moving forward, which means at the time of the Kedushin, that they were there, and since they were there at the time of the Kedushin, it is going to undermine the Kedushin. Now that was Bryson number one. The problem was that Bryson number two said that really it makes no difference in both cases when, whether or not she's able to go to the Chochem or whether she's able to go to the doctor, it's still in violation of the condition, the stipulations, and it's Eina Mekudeshes. So we were trying to reconcile the, the, the two, the two Bryces. And... What the Gemara said is that the, the answer, we're going to see maybe there's a more answer today, but the answer we gave uh, yesterday was, is that actually it's a machlokas tanoim between Reb Meir and Reb Lozer. What was the machlokas between Reb Meir and Reb Lozer? Is that there is, according to Reb Lozer, a natural disposition that a husband has that he does not want his wife to have to go... For, uh, before, before based in. It's considered to be a lack of sneers. It's considered to be something that's very uncomfortable anytime a person has a deposition. That it's not a position, a situation that a, 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 a that is a, a, and a, a man would not want his wife to be in such a situation. Whereas Rav Meir takes a, a, a completely different, uh, feeling is that this, if it has to happen, it has to happen. It's not, it's not the end of the world that the wife has to go. Now, how does that help us? So the, the, the way it helps is as follows, is because Rav Meir is under the position that even though the man made a stipulation, the man made a stipulation that I don't want you to have Nadorim, and technically she might have Nadorim right now, but if they are of the type of Nadorim that she can go to based in and take care of, According to Rav Meir, it's no harm, no fell, because as long as you can go to base and, and retroactively have them removed, then it's as if you don't have them. So Rav Meir says that's included in the understanding of the stipulation that you'd be able to go to base and remove them. Not a problem. Don't have an issue with it. Whereas according to Rav no, I would not have allowed my wife to go to base and take care of Therefore, if you have them now, the fact that you have that loophole, I don't use that as a loophole, because that's not something I would allow my wife to go ahead and do. And therefore, it is ma'akim, and even not just for blemishes, but also for, it's not an option to go to the Chachachim and have them removed. And therefore, that's the way we reconciled yesterday. Now, the Mora at the end of yesterday's Dab just said, where do we see this machlokus between Rav Meir and Rav Lezer manifests itself, whether or not a person is makbid about his wife going to basting, which is the sheet of Rav Lezer, and according to the sheet of Rav Meir, that a, 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 a husband does not have that strong hakpada. So there we brought down yesterday a uh, Mishnah, which uh, discussed a takana that was made. There was a takana that was made 
that if a person is uh, forced into a situation where he has to divorce his wife, either because she showed that she had nadarim, all right? Uh, there's a, either we'll see if it's a propensity to make nadarim, or she has nadarim on her that he right, uh, does, uh, does not want, or there is a, a suspicion of her being promiscuous or her having committed adultery. So the Chachamim made a takana that you cannot, there's no backsies. You cannot say, okay, I'll take her back once you divorce her, right? And there was two reasons, two schools of thought as to what the reason for that takana was. Number one is because we're afraid that if, A, in the case of the Nadarim, that it's a type of a nether that she actually can have annulled, then it might turn out that the husband says that if I would have known that this is the type of nether that you can get annulled, I'd never have get, and undermines the get. If it undermines the get, and in the interim she went and got married, then those children will be mamzerim and meseserub. So the Chacham said, you should know, there's no, you cannot take her back, so you can't come back and say, if I would have known. That were right, and the same thing with if I would have known that really that the rumors were false rumors, and really, so therefore that's one school of thought. It's to protect her from getting messed up. The other school of thought mm-hmm. is that that's not the driving force of the takana, but the driving force of the takana was to send a message to Jewish women: you better be careful in when it comes to areas of nadorim, or you better be careful putting yourself out there in terms of rumors being said about you, because if you end up getting divorced because one of those two reasons, then there's no way you can return. So one is really just in terms of protecting the woman from getting messed up. The other one is really more of a warning warning and and and, 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 and maintaining the integrity of... Of, of, of the chastity of Jewish women, that they have to act in a certain way. So those are the two svaras that we're going to deal with. And we're going to see the different Tanoim have, have drive, the driving force for their positions that we're about to, we learned at the end of yesterday's bride, we're going to bring up again today, have that, one of those two reasons in it. Now what were the different opinions that were mentioned in the Brisa? So the Mishnah said over there is that if a person divorces the, the wife, Either because of Neder, Eloyach, or because of Shemra, Eloyach. So that's the Tanakama. Now, the Tanakama basically says, no backseas. Now, the simplest understanding of the Tanakama, he understands, he really could, you could argue both ways, but let's just assume it's because he doesn't want her to get, get messed up, so therefore, you, you, that's the right. Comes along with Yehuda, and he said, it really depends on the type of Neder she made. The type of Neder, if she made a Neder, which is, so egregious, she made a public nether, which really cannot even be annulled, that's a case where we don't let her return. Now, it's clear Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda uh, is following the second school of thought. It's really to stop women from acting in a certain way that is unbecoming for Jewish women. So you make that, so- that type of a nether that's so egregious, then the divorce will be one that is one that you can never come back. So his understanding is, it's done out the robin. Now what does it mean in public? We'll see how many people have to be there. That's going to be actually where we're going to be discussing today. So let's just fo- focus now on the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, because the woman wants to know, where does Rabbi Yehuda see this sense of a nether that was made in a public forum that is so egregious that it cannot be annulled and therefore you cannot take her back if she made it? Where does he have that, where do you see that concept that such a nether cannot be annulled? If we say something can't be made for her, then why would there even be a thought that you could take her back? If it's a type of a, a nether that can't be made for her, I'm willing to be Michael. At this point in time, I'm willing to live with those kind of nether. So Moses is like this. So therefore, the Moses says, uh, uh, t- my time is of Yehuda. Where does Yehuda come along and understand this notion that a nether that's made in public cannot be made first thing? Moses is the chsiv. And what brings down the story with the givonim? The givonim were the ones that fooled Yeshua into thinking that they were not from the seven nations. Because if they were from the seven nations that inhabited Eretz Canaan, then really they didn't leave, they would have to be all executed. So they dressed up as if they were coming from a faraway nation, and they actually were able to elicit a, 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 a nether 
from the Jewish leaders that they would leave them alone and not harm them and uh, in- incorporate them as some capacity into the Jewish people. And then they found out that really that they'd been misled. Right? And it says over there, Belohikum B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael did not smite them, did not uh, slay them. Ki nishbulahem the CIA Because the princes, the leaders of the community had made that oath. But, right? So the idea was basically is that since it was an oath that was done in a public forum, then they could not go back and annul it, and that's why they had to leave the situation they were in. That's the concept. Now, the point is, okay, fine, I see the notion. How much is considered to be, how many people present is considered to be when there's a rabbim, when there's a rabbim there? So you want to go to another area in the Torah that uses the word rabbim to see how much is rabbim. It's very interesting, the, the proof that we have by the certain days of the month, there are 11 days of the, of the month that the blood that a woman sees is not considered to be categorized as Dam Nida, but it's considered to be categorized as Dam Ziva. And it says over there that if she has a flow, Yamim Rabim, then it becomes, she becomes a Zava Gedola. So how much is Yamim Rabim? So the Gemara Nida learns Yamim is at least two days. Rabim adds a third day. So you see Rabim is at least three. So from here we learn that the amount of a nether to be considered to be a public nether that cannot be annulled is a nether that was made in front of three people. That's the first opinion. So Gemara says like this, It's three. Because we see by Nida Yamim is Shnaim and Rabim is Shlosha. So that applies the same thing over here. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says no. He says that for the law, that, that might be for the laws of Nida, but for the laws of Nidorim, it's only considered to be a public never that cannot be annulled, is when there's a sorrow, when there's at least ten people that it's made in front. It has to be made in front of a minion. Where do we see that from? Because it says over here that they made the nether was made by the Nesiyeh Ha'eda. The word Ada, congregation, we learn out in other places, in Norma Megillah, that Ada we learn out, it means ten. So therefore, that's what it means, made in front of ten. So therefore, Ada Ksibahu. Anyway, okay, now, that explains the sheet of Yehuda, that if it's so egregious a nether, then once you divorce her because of it, you cannot take her back. Now, Rav Meir Omer, Rav Meir said really it depends on the type of nether. Now, Rav Meir's own understanding is that if it's a nether that the husband himself is able to annul, so therefore, that's a nether that, that's that the, hundred, the husband, so on that, there's no problem. Right? Because that the husband can't come back and say, if I would have known, I mean, if you would have known, if you did know, you should have been made for the nether. So therefore, we would not say, okay, that's going to mess her up because the get's not a good get, because he doesn't have the capacity to come back and say, if I would have known. When is it a problem, said Rav Meir? When it's a type of nadarim that needs an investigation of Basin. Because there we could say the husband would say, if I would have known that Basin can investigate the matter. It's not, it's not something I could have taken care of because it wasn't from the nadarim that I could have, but it's something that if I would have known, they could have known that I would so that's the type of nether that you cannot take her back. Clearly, Rav Meir follows the first body of thought that the reason that we don't allow you to take her back when a nether has been made is why? Because we're afraid that you're going to undermine the get and cause her all kinds of hardships if she remarries and has children with the second fellow. So Rav Meir Omer, Kol Nedr Shetzarek any type of nether that requires an investigation from uh, the 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 from 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 based in lo yachse those the type of nedarim that but if it's a regular neder that the husband himself could have taken care of there is no problem now Rabbi Lozer holds exactly the opposite Rabbi Lozer holds like this he says really a neder that required her to go to based in and get an old really technically I don't have a problem with that because the husband cannot say I would have known because the husband would not have been okay with the wife having to go to Basin in order to have it removed. Rav Lazar holds is that, that unlike Rav Meir, Rav Lazar says that the husbands don't always know that some Nadorim are within their own capacity 
to go ahead and annul. They would have been able to be made for their own Nadarim. And therefore, Rabbi Lazar says like this, really the only problem should be the Nadarim that are Beinola, 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 that are Inu Nefesh, because the husband comes back and says, I just found out, I just went to Tafiyomi, I found out there's certain Nadarim I could have been taking care of myself, and if I would have known, I wouldn't have divorced her. But Rabbi Lazar holds that since they already made the Gzaira for those type of Nadarim. They also expanded it for the Nadarim that could be annulled in Basin. But it's only because of an expansion of the Takana. Because really, din, the husband can't say, if I would have known, I would have sent you to Basin. Because according to Rabbi Lazar, what is his Shita? A husband does not want his wife to have to go to Basin. So when it says like this, Rabbi Lazar, I'm a loy asru, sarich, they did not asr that to remarry the woman for those Nadarim that need a Chakiras Chochem, those Nadarim that you have to go to Basin for. Ella, the only reason they expanded it to those type of Nadarim, because of those that don't need to go to Basin. What do you mean you don't need to go to Basin? Those are Nadarim that what? That the husband could have been made for on his own. He would, and, and we're afraid that he would have said, if I would have known, I could have been made for. That's where there's a problem. Anyway, so Bamaika Miflagi, and again, this circles back to yesterday's stuff. So what is the crux of the Machlokas between Rav Meir and Rabbi Lozer. Clearly the Machlokas is Rav Meir Sava Adam Rotsich is Baza Ishtam Basin, where necessary the husband has no problem that the woman should demean herself by having to go to Basin if the better if it's if, if if the ultimate goal of it is that they're going to be able to make for her Nadorim and therefore so there's no problem with that. Where Rav Lozer holds Rabbi Lozer says no. Sava ain't Adam Rotsich is Baza Ishtam Basin that he does not allow even for the benefits that could come out of it he does not agree that the wife should be able to go to Basin in order to annul the Nadarim. And that's what we said yesterday. Comes along Rava. Now Rava wants to address the original contradiction that we started with today. He said like this, the, the, the first Bryce that we brought down, Bryce number one said that if you find out that the woman had Nadarim, but she is able to go to Basin and remove the Nadarim, so therefore it's not a problem, because it did, those Nadarim didn't exist. Whereas by Mumim, it, it, it does undermine, and it, it abrogates the, 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 the Kedushin, because it only takes care of the problem moving forward. But, and Bryson number two said, both in the case of Nadarim, and in the case of Mumim, it is problematic and it's not considered good discussion. So as opposed to the first answer, which made it a machlokas tanoim between Rav Meir and Rav Lozer, Rav is going to say is that, listen, I don't want to make it a machlokas tanoim. I consider this both going like the sheets of Rav Meir, and technically when you made for a nether, it, uh, it removes the nether... As if it never good. So I say, how do you reconcile that with Bryson number two? Why does Bryson number two hold there's a problem? So let's understand this for a moment. There's actually two issues here. When a man marries a woman with conditions that she does not have Nadarim, right? There's two problems. Number one is the actual nether itself, that he finds it's intolerable to live with a woman that has whatever that nether was, that has the type of nether there. That's problem number one. And there's problem number two, is that if this woman has shown a propensity to making Nadarim, then there is an issue, because how do I know she won't make Nadarim moving forward? Now, let's understand that. Now, the first problem can be solved because if it's a kind of nether that based in are able to be made for, that removes the bread. It doesn't really take away the second problem. What's the second problem? Is that she has a propensity. So he says, that might not be such a problem either. Why? Because let's take a look. Even if she makes Nadarim, is there Nadarim that I can handle myself? Then fine. If they're Nadarim that Basin can handle, then fine. Ah, what if those, they're going to be Nadarim that neither, right, right? Not a problem. So what, what you'll do? You'll go and divorce her. So you'll divorce her. So then you could say, really, it's not such a problem for either problem. Not the Nadarim she has now, and not the Nadarim that she might make later, because each one has a solution. The, in the very worst case scenario, the solution where you find that it's, Either you refuse to be dealing with the situation anymore, or it's a type of nether that cannot be... What, what will you do? Divorce. You go ahead and give a divorce, right? So therefore, and that's Bryson number one. So Bryson number one says, basically, as long as you can go to Bayston, they can remove it as if it didn't exist, and you can deal with any of the propensity situation you'll deal with. 
Brighton number two is talking about a situation where it is an Isha Chashuvah. Now an Isha Chashuvah means you come from a prominent family. Now why does that create a bigger problem? Because if she comes from a prominent family, remember when you divorce a woman, you now become usher to, to all her relatives. So Brighton number two is, le- is learning is yes, the issue at hand can be dealt with I should go to based in and she can remove it. That's fine. But what's the problem? Is a second issue. She shows a propensity to make Nadarim, which might very well end up me having to divorce her. You know what's going to end up happening? Because I'm going to have to divorce her. Now I don't only become, have a problem now with her. I've now created a situation. I'm no longer allowed to marry her sisters. I'm not allowed to marry her mother. I'm not, all of these things because I am. So therefore a man might say, I'm not willing to go into that situation. That's shot in Bryson number two. So Bryson number two holds that since it's dealing with an Isha Chashuba, then a man is not going to say, oh, it's okay, she can take care of it. Bait. No. He doesn't want it to become his Grusha and therefore he's mocked and therefore it's as if he never married her. The condition is abrogated because that way he doesn't become usher in her relatives. So that is, says Rubber, the way to explain the difference between Bryson number one and Bryson number two. Clear? Okay. So more says like this. So Rabbi Amar, Hacha be Isha Chashuva, asking what do you want Isha Chashuva? So Amar, like Michali, the Itza, but Kreviseo, that he does not, uh, he says, not appropriate, I don't feel uh, uh, okay with the fact that now because of the get that I might end up having to give her, I will become also in all of her relatives. Ask the Gemara Gaval the Gakasha. It, we only saw part of Bryson number two. But the rest of Bryson number two says, the Bryson number two starts off, what happens if the man made a stipulation that she should not have Nadarim and she should not have Mumim, right? And we explained that since she's an Isha Chashuva, so the Mumim doesn't help because the bottom line, she had that Kedushin. And the Dharam, even though that the abrogation of the Nether, the annulment of the Nether will make as if that she didn't, she didn't have, but it's still problematic because she's an Isha Chashuva. But the second part of that Bryson says, what if the man said that he doesn't have Nadarim? She's the one who says, I don't want to marry a man that has the Dorim, or I don't want to marry a man that has Mumim, and he said that I'll marry you on condition that I don't, I, not you, I don't have, so it says over there, in such a case, that if he can go to a Chochem and be matter the Nedra that he does have, or he can go to the doctor and be... And 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 and, and uh, remove the mumdanayas. Then, in both cases, it'll be mekudeshes. And let's explain this for a moment. In the case of the doctor, the one says a very interesting thing. The one says is that by a man, he's more mocked that even at the kedushin she shouldn't have the mumin. By a woman, she's just more mocked that by the time she moves into the house, those mumim should be gone. So even though mumim only works. Moving forward, the woman, when she said, Amanas, that you don't have mumim, she didn't mean that you didn't have mumim now. She means that you shouldn't have mumim by the time the suin rolls along. Okay, fine. Now, what about Nadorim? She says, Nadorim also is not considered to be problematic. Now, one second. The same way as the Bryce is referring to a situation where the woman is an Isha Chashuva, parallel structure with the man, that when the man is making it on himself, he must be talking about that he's an Adam Chashuv. Well, if he's an Adam Chashuv, why doesn't the same swara apply? That the woman should be able to say, well, one second, if this guy shows a propensity to making the dorim, and therefore it might come to a situation that I can demand divorce because I cannot handle the dorim that he is imposing, and therefore it will end up coming that I become usher in all of his family, so therefore why is it okay if the man can get it annulled? It shouldn't be okay, because what about when he makes the dorim later on that cannot get annulled, and therefore I, I, I might become usher in his so why don't we say the same thing? If fact is about Isha Chashuva, when the stipulations are made that she shouldn't have it, it should be considered to be an Adam Chashuv, right? So what's the difference? Then what about the second part of the second rise? The it says, But if he made the stipulations that he doesn't have them, but he's able to go to the Chacham to be made for his nether, for he tiro and they were martyred for him. Or Etel Rofa, he went to the Rofa, Veripa, and the Rofa was able to cure him from his mumim. In such a case, it's Mekudashas, it does not abrogate the Kedush, Mekudash is good. Lechayra Litni, Einam Akdashas, should say, Einam Akdashas, in the case of the Dorim. Why? And Belay Mahakab, 
Adam Chashuv as Kenan. Same way you say that's the case by the Isha Chashuva, so you should be an Adam Chashuv. That I do not want to become Oster in his relatives. So the says something which is not very PC, but the Gemara says like this, is whereas a man, he does not see the need to be married as strong right now as a woman does. And therefore a man will take into a cheshbon, one second, if it's going to mess me up with her relatives down the line, I refuse to be married right now. Woman is much more enamored about being married right now, even though it might end up that you can't marry. What's well, expression? Take a bird in the hand is better than uh, right. Right now, she's married. To the, so she doesn't want to say this. I'm not willing to be married to this guy because of what might be later on. Her need, emotional need to be married, she's willing to, to undertake a chance that what might end up happening later on is what. That she'll become also to his relatives. That's the difference between when Adam Chashuv and an Isha Chashuva. So when it says, E, behold, woman's willing to settle. A woman is willing to settle, could raise Lakish, like Raish Lakish said, famous statement Raish Lakish. In a woman's mind, it's better to be together with two bodies, to sit at home as a spinster, to have to sit at home. So a woman desired, she needs that emotionally, she needs that, and therefore she's willing to settle, whereas a man is not. Abaya Amar, whether it's Machlokas or not, but Abaya, they're all talking about the common adages of their time. An adage means that that's considered to be showing that that is a sense, an emotional sense that existed, understanding that the psychologically understood that that is the feeling of the time. So in Abaya's generation, they said that even if the man is an ant, an ant means he's of low stature, right, or status, she still puts her chair in the Mizrach fund. She's still willing to, she puts the chair with the, the women of, the free women, the women of nobility. Meaning, she feels uh, uh, confidence and she feels kosher, even if the guy she married to literally means he's an ant. Right? That he's like a, of diminutive, it could be physical stature or, 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 sta- or status. Rapapa Amar, denavsa gavra, that even if the husband is a nafsa, nafsa is one of the most demeaning jobs, it's the person who combs out the excrement from the wool. Right? So her husband is, the, is a nafsa, even if her husband is a nafsa, tekroye besite bubble. She will call him to taste it, to call him to come sit on the porch with her, come sit on the doorstep with her, because she, has, she shows off her husband, even though what? Even though he is from one of the uh, lowest type of uh, Parnassus, she still feels proud and, 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 and confident about the fact that she's married. Ravashi Amar, the Kosagabro, that even if the husband has genealogical defects, tells me that there's some kind of uh, defect in the lineage, in his genealogical status, low boy Talpachilikadeira, she will not bother him for barley for the pot. Meaning, she's willing even to forego on the parnotsa, on what he, whether he's not able to sustain her financially, she's just so enamored with the fact that what? That she has a husband. Now, the Brysus comes along and really turns the whole thing on its head. Because basically, the whole point we've been making over here is that women are willing to, sav- to, to settle. Not only that, they show that they're completely satisfied with the situation even though they might be marrying down. Right? It says the price, that all these women, you have to be concerned that they might really only be having the husband to give an excuse for them to be promiscuous or have infidelity and if they end up getting pregnant they now can say that it was the husband that got them pregnant. So the Brysa takes a much more cynical look at this by saying is yes, it might be the women are willing to do it but that doesn't mean that that's going to satisfy them completely on any level and you really have to be concerned that if in fact these are people that these are people that you might question why are they so happy with these type of husbands that maybe what sure. maybe that there's something else going on all right
Let's go weiter. We said all the mumim that disqualify a Kohen from doing the Avoda also are disqualifications for a husband when he marries a wife that if she, he makes a condition that she doesn't have mumim that whatever is considered to be a mum for a Kohen to do the Avoda is also considered to be a mum that the husband can claim that's a violation of the stipulation that you don't have mumim. Everybody with me? They added, in the case of women, it actually there's three women that are added above and beyond that of what disqualifies a Kohen from doing the Avoda. What are they? Zea, if she perspires, she sweats a lot. Number one. Shuma, she has a mole. M-O-L-E. She has a mole, all right? And the, the, and, and Reachapet is halitosis. She has chronic bad breath. So these three will disqualify, the way we're understanding this right now, for a woman in the case of marriage, it could undermine, abrogate the Kedushin, but it does not necessarily disqualify a Kohen from doing the Avoda. Didn't the sisters take the bride to the mikvah to see if she had any moles? Well, we'll get to that in terms of what kind of mole it is and why it wasn't visible. We'll get to that. Anyway, but these are, the person said over here that these are, right, uh, 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 by Kedushin, it undermines the Kedushin. At least two out of the three, the Gemara's going to questioning. Are you telling me that perspiration and halitosis are not disqualifications by a Kohen? Vatsnan, we learned in the Mishnah. Now, this Mishnah actually told about animals that are, are being brought for a korban. Okay, we'll see, circle back how do we get to Kohanim. But it's talking about the animals. It says, Vatsnan, we learned the Mishnah. Azokin is somebody who is elderly, an animal, an animal that is too old. Hachola, sickly. Hamazuam. Now, the more understands Mazuam over here means that A is sweaty and B that he has a bad odor. Which the more understands Mazuam really is, combines both the case of uh, Zeya and the case of Rechapeh is considered to be a disqualification by an animal. Now, what does that have to do with the Kohen? The Tanan, Mumin Eglu, the Mumin that we just listed for the animals, whether they they are uh, permanent or whether they are only temporary, psulin ba'adam, they disqualify for a kohen during the avoda. So now the first question is, assuming that mezuah is really a, a combination of both zeya and reachapet, so how do you tell me these are only disqualifications by the isha? L'chora, what do we see over here? He said like this, Rabbi, uh, Ashi assumes that the uh, understanding was correct, but the difference is as follows. Let's say it's an intermittent problem, right? And it meaning, there's all that, that comes and goes. So now, by a vote, it's not a problem, because as long as it's in the time of the month, where the man does not have the zeya, or the man does not have the reachapeh, we'll let him do the avod, as long as right now he has it. Whereas in the case of an isha, the fact that it comes and goes, that's not going to help you. That's going to be still a disqualification in the case of an isha. So that's why, by a man, yes, it's a disqualification, if right now he has it. But if it's intermittent, you could still get him to do the avod, whereas by an isha, you can't say, okay, fine, you know, I'll, I'll hang out with you, uh, you know, when you don't have the reachapeh, if it comes and goes, then we don't, that's considered to be a problem. That's one answer. Ravashi says that you're mixing apples and oranges. Zeya and Reachapeh is not the same thing as Mezuham. Mezuham is not the same as Reachapeh. Mezuham means that there is some kind of condition that the, the, the flesh is becoming corrupted or putrid and it, it, and it, and it gives off a, a terrible smell. He says, that's what mezuam is. Mezuam is not the thing as zeya of perspiration or rachapel halitosis. Two different things. In the case of mezuam, in the case of mezuam by kohanim, alright, there actually you can deal with it. Even the Zuam can be dealt with. Yes, it's true it's a disqualification. But you know what you can do for a person when he has got, that there's come some kind of a, a skin problem that makes him uh, have sweat or smell? You can take a, uh, a, vine, a wine vinegar bath. 
You take a wine vinegar bath, that will allow you at least temporarily to use that Kohen for Avot. But by a, a wife, you can't keep telling her every ten minutes, go take a wine vinegar bath. That's not going to help you over here. Right? And and also how it toasts by a Kohen, yes, you're right, it should disqualify him that, uh, that from being able to do the Avodah, but there is, you know what, there's breathments. Right? Let him take, uh, so therefore, now the Epshav and Nakat Pilpalabapume put a pepper in his mouth, and now you've got the pepper in his mouth, he's able to do the avoda, his breath will not smell bad. Whereas to be married to a woman that every few minutes you have to tell her, go take a breath mint, that person is not willing to tolerate. So therefore, Babravoda, and therefore they can fix and do the avoda for, uh, for, for the Zioma and for the Rechapeh. You cannot, uh, you, it, it's not a condition that can be uh, corrected on a permanent basis and even temporarily would not be enough to expect a person to stay married under those circumstances. Now, the Gemara says one of the, the third case was a shuma, was a mole, right? So, what kind of mole are we dealing with? Either is basar, if it's a hairy mole. It's a mole that has hairs coming from it. So the Chorah, that should not only be a problem by an Isha, that also should be a problem that's not appropriate to send up a Kohen to serve that has a hairy mole. So hacha v'hacha paswa. Here, either way, it should create a disqualification. And either lace, the light is basar. And if there is no hair coming out of this mole, what's the size of it? If it's a large mole, so in even a non-hairy mole, but if it's a large mole, should be a disqualification by a Kohen as well. And each Shuma Katana, and if it is a small mole, so then it should not be problematic, not for a Kohen, but also not for Isha. So where do you have a situation where a mole is a problem for an Isha, but it's not a problem for the Kohen? So what I said, and the sign is, we learned in the bride, so Shuma Shiyesh Basar, if there is, are, there is hair coming out of it, Harazim, Mum is considered room, both for a Kohen and for an Isha. And Basar, there's no hair in it, so it depends, Gedoyla, Harazim, Mum. If it's large, then it's a Mum, the Rikhtan, if it's small, ain't a Mum, and Ezo Gedoyla, what's considered to be large, Pirish Hashim Gamliel, Ad Ke'isar Haitalki, the size of an Italian Isra, it's a certain type of coin, that makes it, that's considered large. Up to that point, it's small, and that past that point, it's large. I'm Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanino, but men is It's small, without hair, but it's on her forehead. That's on her forehead, that's where it's considered to be a mum by an isha, but not necessarily by a kohen. So what I say is like this, is the chorah, if it's on her forehead, then the kohen has said, Hared Mekudashesli, on condition that you don't have mumim, and he sees this on her forehead, obviously that didn't bother him, because if that bothered him, he should have said something about it, right? Kadachta, Rav and Ephias, he sees it, and he's been appeased. It's on her, of, high enough on the forehead that when she wears her head covering, sometimes it covers it. So therefore, he could say, I never saw it. If I would have seen it, it would have bothered me. But I never saw it, and therefore, that's considered to be a problem. It's a small moment without hair, but it's on, high on her forehead. That's a problem by an Isha, but it's not a problem by a Kohen. Zimdin Nishchaza, because sometimes the visible Zimdin Lo Nishchaza. Amrav Chista, Hamil Samigaber Rabbi Shmueli. I've heard this from a great person. Umana, who is that? Rabbi Shilo. Nashvakelev. If a woman was bitten by a dog, Venasamekoy Metzalakas, and it became a scar, means the scar tissue from the bite itself. Harei mum That is considered to be a mum by an isha. Amrav Chista. Kol Ava the isha Harei mum The woman has a deep voice. That is considered to be a mum. Shenemar, because the Pasuk says, Ki koilach arev umarech nadar. It talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife, and what's considered attractive is that you have a sweet voice and you have an attractive appearance. But you see, sweet voice is considered to be an attractive part for a woman. Having a deep voice is not considered to be attractive and actually can be viewed as a mum. Tani Rav Nosen Birah taught in a Brisa. So basically the only statement was made that if there's a Tefah 
between the breasts of a woman. Now, a tefach is a handstand, right? It's when you, uh, it's the, uh, it, it could be a, what is it? Uh, no, that's, it's, uh, what, two inches? What is it? Uh, right. One and a half to two inches. So a tefach. You said a tefach. Now, the one I want to know, that's considered good or bad. Right. What is that referring to? Tefach between her breasts is actually a mila that's attractive. So that's listed was listed by the mumin that if there is a tefach between her breasts, that actually is considered to be a mum. It's, 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 it's not considered to be a, so therefore, one and a half, two inches between her breasts is considered to be a moon. The comma, so up to how much point, when is it considered to be attractive? And what's the normal size? So, Amrabaya, Shalash, it's three fingers between her dudim, that's considered to be attractive. But the tefak, which is already four fingers, that's already considered to be unattractive. That in a woman that has much larger breasts than the norm, we'll see what that is. So that's considered to be a mum. Kama, how much larger than the norm is considered to be a mum? So I'm a Ramaisha, a tefach size, okay? Not sure exactly how they measured it, but a tefach size more than what the norm is. We don't know what the standard is, but whatever the standard, what the norm was, a tefach above it is considered to be already an unattractive, considered to be a mum. Is it possible to find whatever the norm was, to find breasts that are mamash a tefach larger than what the norm is? Someone says, eh, yes, it is possible. I once saw a certain Arab woman, her breast was so large, she was able to fling them behind her, in order to nurse her child. So there is such a thing as having these exceptionally large dozen, but it's not considered to be attractive, it's considered to be unattractive. Well, it's not. The ones we brought something down from Rav Mesha, we bring something else down. The one is going to say, that nowadays the nations of the world are trying to get us away from Eretz Yisrael. That when the world comes and uh, it reveals himself, then the nations of the world are going to facilitate getting all the Yidden back, back to Eretz Yisrael. Well, the Tzion Yaymar, concerning Zion, it will be said, Ish, Ish, Yuladbo, this is an, each man, this is a man that is a, is, is a citizen who is born in Tzion, because Baruch is establishing uh, the, uh, the upper, in the upper realms, and we have to do what we can to get this person back. So Amrav Meshav Rabbi very important tomorrow. Echad Anolid, but even though it says that one who's born there, but it is the word ish twice, ish ish. So therefore, this is not only going to be a special bracha of somebody who was born in Eretz Yisrael that happens to be away from Eretz Yisrael. That now we're going to be able to figure out how to get him to come back, but also the Echad Hametzapelir Oisa that someone has a deep desire to one day get back to Eretz Yisrael, even if he wasn't born there, the bracha will apply. To him as well. Alright. There's a special brocha in Eretz Yisrael, the Avira Yisrael Machim, that the heirs of Eretz Yisrael makes one wise. So one student of Eretz Yisrael is actually, in his mental acuity, is equal to two of us, two of one, two of those that come from Bovel. I'm a robber, but Robert said like this, that in the yeshivas in Bavel, actually, the type of learning, the dialectics, and the type of learning that was done, the pilpul that was done, was sharp, sharpened the mind to the extent that when a student from here goes to Eretz Yisrael, so then he will be twice as good because then he gets the benefit of the type of learning here, plus he gets the environmental benefits of living in Minan, One of ours, Kisalik Lahasam, that goes over there, that goes to Eretz Yisrael, 
Adiv Kitreminayu is as good as two of them because then he has both the sharpening of his mind, his mental acuity, plus he has the Avira of Eretz Yisrael. And he brings a ride, Harav Yirmiyah, the Chiyav HaHacha, when Rav Yirmiyah was growing up here in Bavel, Lo HaVayyadah Maika Amirabon. He couldn't chop what's going on in the base Medrash. means he was at a lower level intellectually here in the Yeshivas, but Kisalik Lohasa, when he went there, and he developed and he grew to the point where Mamash, we made the statement once, Karilan the foolish Babylonians. Even though when he was here himself, he was on the level. So you see that if you go there, having learned the Yeshivas Yah and going there, that's the best case scenario. Take a look at the Marsha, I believe it's a Marsha over here, that talks about that even though that the mental acuity of Eric of Bavel in terms of the learning, he talks about how nowadays the Talmudim, that the type of learning they have is to put people down and, they, and then the Chachamim don't deal nicely with one another and then they berate one another and then he talks about like Mamas, like the whole Marsha goes off on a, uh, on a on a whole thing over here, but take a look. Anyway, let's go back to Zog David Let's say Mumin developed the word Mumin. We found out that she's only Kedushin has happened, Arison has happened, so she's still living by her father's house, and now they, they, they show up to the husband and say, You know what? This woman that you said should not have Mumin has Mumin. Now, the only question is, when did these Mumin develop? Now, right. Now, obviously. The husband's saying is that if, if he's not willing to accept her as is, he's saying is that these mumim were at the time of the Kedushin. If they were at the time of the Kedushin, therefore what? I'm not married. What is the husband and the girl claiming? What is the father and the girl claiming? It developed afterwards. Means it's your mazel. Like we had before, and he stopped us there. Your field got flooded. I became like your property, and if something's happening to your... But it was after Kedushin. If it's after Kedushin, then what? If you want to walk away, then give me the ksuva, divorce me. But it's not, it does not undermine the Kedushin, because it was, these mumim were not there at the time of the Kedushin. So, Ha'ab Tzarek Lavi Raya, Shednis Mishnis Arso, Ha'yoba Mumim Halolu. The burden of proof is on the father. He has to prove that at the time of the Erosin, these mumim were not there. Okay, I don't use video or picture or whatever it is, but you can't, right? Uh, uh, right, and it's the husband's field that was flooded because if he cannot, then the husband is believed, and what? Then the Torah, she would go free. Maybe they need misophic, maybe, but he would not have to, for sure, not even have to pay exuva. Now, let's say, now Johnny's issue is going to come into more into play right now, but let's say she already entered into Nesuin. And now, in the Rishus of the Baal, lo and behold, we find that she has a mum, right? Now, she again is claiming that this happened after the Kedushin. If her husband's claiming, no, maybe this had been here prior to the Kedushin. What's the halach over here? Habal tzarek lahaviraya, that she'ad shalonis arsayibamum. He needs the burden of proof now is on him that she did not have these before the Erosin. And if not, then she is believed that it happened afterwards and you want to divorce her, so you're going to have to give her the condition, the good condition, you have to give her a ksuba. So therefore, it's also about ayuba mumin, right? Mumin elu. Vahayah mekha mekhtos. Div Rav Meir. So Rav Meir's point basically is that if she's already gone into Erosin, then the burden of proof shifts to the husband. We'll discuss this all tomorrow. Why that should be. She's gone into Nusuin. She's gone into Nusuin, I'm sorry. She's gone into Nusuin, then it becomes his responsibility. And if he cannot prove it, then he cannot say mekhtos anymore, and he won't divorce her, give a ksuba. The Chachamim did say depends on what type of mumim we're talking about. So Chachamim Oimrim, Bamed Varmamurim, what are type of mumim we're talking about? If these are mumim that are concealed, they're not visible to the naked eyes, it's under her clothes, etc. Uh, right? Under that circumstance, that's where the husband can say, Hey, I didn't know about these women. These, and therefore, and, and, and if he can prove, by the way, that this mum was there from before, then it's a mekaftos. But if these mumim are mumim shabagolid, but if these are visible mumim, 
right? Then, even if it can prove that they were there before. from before, since it's visible to the naked eye to see, therefore what? <laughs> and the fact that they have protested until now, until after the soon, that you lose out and you can't use that as a way to undermine the marriage. So therefore, he cannot make a claim. Now what's Takat Shat and Rav Meir? Rav Meir holds is that even visible ones, the woman will do what she can to hide them. So the husband can say, even though, yeah, they were visible, but I wasn't able to see them because she was able to hide them. Now, this is John is referring to. What happens if there's a bathhouse in the city? That city happens to have a bathhouse. So then, even the ones that are normally hidden, you cannot claim you never knew, because the custom used to be that the husband would send his family members to go hang out in the bathhouse when this woman would go, so they would be able to identify even hidden ones, and therefore, in the fact, there was no, no, nothing made mention of it at that time, therefore, you cannot wake up now and say, oh, it's a hidden move. No, because there was a bathhouse in the city. So therefore, in a Yochaliton, they have lost their right to claim, because he would have her checked out with his family members. Now, the point over here, a mayor would also hold is that, no, obviously, if she's got hidden women and she's trying to hide them, then she would make sure that even if the bathhouse, she would avoid bumping into his family members. Now, the Gemara now is going to take us back to something we had at the end of the first parak, the beginning of the second parak, on Daf Yud Beis, moving forward. There was a machlokus between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Machlokas was basically is that a man marries a woman claiming that she wasn't a basula. And her response was, is that I was a basula when we originally uh, had Kedushin, however, I was raped. Mishiristani ne nasti. And the Shaila is, does she lose her ksuva or does not? Is there a violation? Or does it go down to 100? Maybe it should even be a mechachtos. The question is, who's believed? So Rabbi, Rabban, Rabban Gamliel took the position that she has a cheska saguf. What is the cheska saguf? That if we just found out now that she wasn't a basula, she was born a basula, and her we assume that the chazaka of her body means that the the latest time we found out uh, that she was not a basula, you can only assume she's not a basula at this point, and she's believed to say that she was raped by the uh, after the Arison, and in fact she does she collects a full ksuva. Whereas if Yeshua says, is that there's another force that you have taken to play. That's the Cheskas Mamon. You're trying to take money away from the husband. He has a Chazaka, the burden of proof should be on her, not on him. So we have this Machlokas over here. Rabbi Gamliel gives more credence to the Cheskas Aguf. And Rabbi Yeshua gives more credence to the Cheskas Mamon. Now the Gemara points out is that that seems to be the issue that's going on here as well. Why does that seem to be the issue that's going on? Let's talk about what happens over here. The husband is claiming that the mum was here from before. Right? We just found the mum right now. So the Chetkas HaGov should tell us is that because we only found about the mum, and that's not the norm with the body, so therefore it's only now we should assume. Whereas if you want to use that to take, the, 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 you're making a claim, a financial claim against the husband, you go, so Lachar, you have over here yeah, Cheskas Mamon against a Cheskas Agub, which was the Machlux from Gamaliel Rishur. The problem is that our Mishnah does not seem to be consistent. Now let's go through it. Say the more like this, that in the uh, first case, where if she's still in the father's house, Right? So he said there, time of the Maisi Ha'av Raya. When will she be believed and be able to collect a full suva and, not, and the marriage is not annulled? That's only because the father could bring a Raya. Halo Maisi Ha'av Raya. It's though. If the father is not able to bring a Raya, so who's believed? The husband. So then, Habal Meheman. So now, who is giving more credence to the husband? Who's she that I've learned before? The husband has got the one that's got the Cheskas Mamun. She has the Cheskas Agub. You're giving more credence to the husband because you're making the father have to bring a Raya. So money, that's going like if you're sure that Cheskas Mamun is stronger than Cheskas Agub. Right? That's the first half of our Mishnah. 
Right? So Rabbi Yeshua, the Amar Lomit Bianachai, he says, we can't just trust her because she says I was raped afterwards. Who, that's not enough to take away from his Cheskas Mamon. So Amos Seifel, let's go to the second half. Second half, she already entered into Nesuin. So when she enters into Nesuin, we make the burden of proof now on the, the husband. Right? The husband has to bring a raya that in fact the moon was here from all the way before the era sin. Time of the Maizia Baal writes, only because the husband can bring a proof. Halo Maizia Baal writes, but if he doesn't bring a proof, then Avmehemon, then you're saying that the, uh, the, 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 the father would be believed. Which means that you're saying that the Cheskes Aguf, to say the only founded now, then you have the body tells it only developed now that didn't happen from before. That's the Chorah Asr and the Rabbi Gamliel. The Amarnem Menes, that woman who says I was raped is believed to say that because Orches Kazakov tells us that she was intact at the time of the Eresin. So the Chorah, we have a problem. The first half of the Mishnah seems to be going like Rabbi Yeshua. The second half of the Mishnah seems to be going like Rabbi Gamliel. So I'm Rabbi Lazar, this is very difficult to say, but you have to say this, why Rebbe would do this. But Tavra, Misha Shanazu, Shanazu, that the first half of the Mishnah is one Tana, and the truth of the matter, according to that Tana, Rabbi Yeshua, it makes no difference whether it was Erisin, or whether it was Nesuin, the Cheskes Momon trumps the Cheskes Aguk, and the second half of the Mishnah is going like Rabbi Gamliel. It also doesn't matter whether this is happening by the Erisin, or the Nesuin, the, the, the Cheskes Aguk, Trumps the Cheskes Mammon, and therefore the, the, her father would believe unless the husband is able to bring a proof. But that's, that's what you have to say. You have to break it. It's broken. Meaning, split it in half. It's two different Tanoim. I'm a Rava. Rava says it's very difficult to say. So Rava is going to come up with a solution that works according to everyone. So, but before he gets into the solution, he just wants to point out something like this. Even though Rabbi Yeshua seems to give a more credence to the Cheskes Mamon than a Cheskes Aguf. It's not shocked that Rabbi Yeshua says you never use a Cheskes Aguf. He just says you don't use the Cheskes Aguf against a Cheskes Mamon. But there are times when you are going to use a Cheskes Aguf. So let's see where, 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 where Robert says. I'm a Robert. Loi Tamer Rabbi Yeshua. Lo Azil Basa Chazoka the Gufa. Klaus. Hunter doesn't hold a Cheskes Aguf at all. The Ella. Kilo Azil Rabbi Yeshua Basa Chazoka the Gufa. The only time Rabbi Yeshua says we don't use the Cheskes Aguf. It's where you're going against the chazaka of the moment of the husband. That you don't say chazkas aguf to take away from the money of the husband. But otherwise, you would go to chazkas aguf. And what's the proof? When there's no chazaka mamana, then other of Yeshua, then you would go to chazkas aguf. Where do we see this? Because we know that for the laws of Tzara'as, there's two indicators that this is Tzara'as. First of all, there is the discoloration of the skin and it has to be a certain size and then there's hairs white hairs that have to grow from it now the order of the sequence of did the hairs come first or, this, of, or did the wound come first makes a difference so it says like this, the sign we learned in Abraisa in by hairs kodam l'sa'ar if the spot came before the hair that is considered saras at first the spot and then grows the hair white hair but in but if the hair came first and then the spot, that's tar, that's not considered to be tzaraz. Now what happens if it's a suffix? Now the Chachamim she did, it's a suffix, you have to say tome. Take a look at Tyson deals with why would you say the Kohen Chachamim. But this is an important piece here. Rabbi Yeshua Amar Keah. Keah means it's dim. It's dim, it's faint. What does that mean? My Keah. So Amarabah Keah means, means it's faint when we look at it like it's lightened, like it's tahor. So when it's a suffix, it's tahor. Why? Because the Cheskes Aguf. What's the Cheskes Aguf tell you? He's been tahor till now. So therefore that Chazaka tells you that he's still considered to be tahor. So you see that Rabbi Yeshua himself, even though in our Mishnah, in, 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 in your days, he doesn't hold the Cheskes Aguf. That's only because it's going against the Cheskes Mamon. But when there's a Cheskes Aguf on its own, you go with the Cheskes Aguf, right? Now, Rava Amar. So Rava disagrees with the, re- the answer that was given by Rabbi Loza that's Tavra, Misha Shanazul or Shanazul. No. He's Amarisha. He says like this. He says like this. He wants to make it all go like Rabbi Gamliel, which is the Halacha. The only problem is that the Chorah, if it goes like Rabbi Gamliel, who gives more credence to the Cheskes Sagluf, then it should make no difference. Either way, Cheskes Aguf is on the side of the woman and her father. So why is it that in, in, when it's by Arisin, 
Right? There, we actually believe the husband, and the husband, the father has to bring the raya. If it's going like in the floration, the sefer makes sense, because in the sefer, the, you said over there that the father is believed, and the husband has to bring the raya, because you're going by the cheskis aguf. But lechorah, but in the ratio, why in the ratio are you believing the the, the, the husband and making the father? Cheskis should be saying is that Shtemumd only came after the, the Aresin took place, after the Kedushin. So what Robert, what, what Robert is going to explain is the truth is there is, Cheska Sarguf tells you that what? That the body, until the time when you found the mum, the body didn't have a mum. He says, but there is a Svara to argue with them. What are you going to tell me? All right, let's just say, whatever. So you get this big mole, okay? This big mole. Are you going to tell me that the mole just developed this minute? There's a Svara to say that even if there's a Cheska Sarguf, it doesn't make sense to say, Mamish, at the time when you saw it, that's when all of a sudden popped up. The Chora, it means it's been around. It doesn't mean that she was born with it necessarily or it's been here for five years. But the Chora, the Idris Chora to say that even with the Cheskis Aguf, it has been here a little bit. So what Rav is saying is that that Svara, that it's been here a certain amount of time, is enough to push it back to the jurisdiction for the time period that it's in. So if you find it during Aresin, we assume it's been there for that whole jurisdiction of the Aresin. Not that you was born with it, but at least for the jurisdiction of the Aresin. If you find it by Nesuin, we assume that when did it develop? For the jurisdiction of the Nesuin. Now you could say it's all done without coming to Leo. Yes, there is a Chazoka. That we don't say that it was happened way before. But at least, because of the Svara that Mamish didn't happen right now, at least it pushes it back to the beginning of that jurisdiction. That's why if it's found by the Aresin, who now becomes responsible for proving because we assume that it goes back to the beginning of the Aresin so it becomes the father's responsible the Chazaka Saguf is not strong enough to say that it just happened right now it just goes back to the beginning of the jurisdiction that's what Rav is answering so Rav Amaresha in the first case Kan Nimtsuhu even though you found it now Kan Hayu but there is a far to say that it's been here for a certain amount of time right so in for all these say, Kan Yimsuhu, Kan Hayu. Means how long do we assume that it's been there? Not from time immemorial, but how long at least? To the beginning of the jurisdiction that it's in. By Eresin, to the beginning of the Eresin, to the Suin, the beginning of the Suin, which means by Eresin, then the father has to bring a ride that she wasn't existing at the time of when the condition. You almost double the Suin, it was put the burden on the husband. Yes. 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 Yes.